This is Monsteropolis, a show about legends, anomalies, and monsters. We welcome you. My name is Mark Matsky, and I'm joined today by what is proving to be the most reliable co-host that I have, Heather Mosier. <laughs> Hi. Oh, I'm, boy. It's, it's us now. It is. So it would seem. Shoot. Andy, you got to, like, mute that. <laughs> I just, I, don't see anything wrong with I just shoot from the hip. That's, you know me. Wow. So anyway, we want to start right out of the gate with exciting news. And that is the continuing adding of detail to our Monster Fest announcement. Yeah. So we don't even need the patch sound now. That's true. Since you can do that. I got that. it. I got it down. Yeah, Monster Fest is happening June of 2023, right? June 2nd and 3rd. Mm-hmm. On the 2nd, there is a premiere happening at the Grand Palace Theater in downtown Canton, Ohio, mm-hmm. site of many a small town monsters screening. Yes. And then the next day, at an almost ready to be announced venue, is the actual Monster Fest featuring a panel of presenters that will blow your mind absolutely and um for those who are squad members you would have heard some inside details as to whom are our guests um that are confirmed so far we have a few more that we have to ask a few more to confirm um but yeah we have some amazing guests that are coming some will be speaking and then there will be live podcast recording whoa also happening whoa and uh you may be familiar with at least one of the podcasts that's going to be doing a live recording sass what bum 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 (laughs) wow yeah did you know that um (laughs) candidly no (laughs) 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 yeah so um i also found out we're going to be at Sweet, sweet, mm. good. That settles it. Right, that settles it. <laughs> Seth told me that you're going. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that means Andy is also going. You and Andy will both be at Cryptid Con and Cryptid Bash. Yes. Maybe Cryptid Bash. Maybe Cryptid Bash. I mean, we live in Cleveland, so it's close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Closer but, uh, to Morgantown. Right. Oh well. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, so Monster Fest 2023, June 2nd and 3rd. Yeah. Mark your calendars now. It's over a year in advance, so there's no excuse to not have that blocked off for us. That's as easy as it gets, guys. Yeah, what about, well, never mind. I, <laughs> I have a tendency towards chaos in these situations oh, no. and asking questions that shouldn't be answered. But. Oh, <laughs> what is it? What's the question? Well, is is there a chance of the lore you know doing a live? You know what? I think that Seth mentioned that yeah. as a possibility. Okay. Monsteropolis was also See, named. That would Listen, be, we're just going to spend the entire like, day in the podcast Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like the Wu-Tang Clan, you know, being reunited <laughs> for that big performance, all of them on stage at the same time, <laughs> busting rhymes. But a very small the stage. the towel on their shoulder, yeah, you know, just seven, going. Yeah, I'll have a towel on my shoulder. You will, mm-hmm. you will. 
and you'll do 16 bars. I'll be like, no, stop. He's like, I can't. <laughs> so, you, you know, that's June 3rd of 2023. You want to be there. <laughs> and it's going to be, it's going to be sweet. And, you know, yeah. and like, um, you know, I am, I guess you could say at this point, we're veterans of the conference game on both sides, like vendors and presenters and just going to different conferences and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And this really, I, I really believe this has potential to be something bigger than anyone's expectations. Oh, I'm so excited. I am. I am too. And just based on um, like premieres that we've had at the Palace mm-hmm. and how far people have come to, right. just to come see a movie for one evening. And this is like a, an overnight and some special events. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. I'm really excited to see people come. And the timing of it, it happens to be Canton's first Friday, which they tend to do something special anyway Mm -hmm. um, on the first Friday of the month. So I think that's going to add an extra layer of excitement for people that are local anyway and already familiar with Canton first Friday. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we're, I mean, it's a pretty good location because you've got, let's let's talk about out-of-state people. You've got Cleveland not far away. Pittsburgh, not far away from mm-hmm. the big airports, but also the Canton-Akron airport is right there. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is there's no excuse if you live out of state to not come see us. Yeah, fly right in, get picked up by a member of the STM crew. We'll, that, we'll, nope. we'll take you uh, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andy does have yeah. a van. <laughs> If you get like platinum months. registration, mm. I'll come and pick you up and we'll go to the um, Football Hall of Fame. Whoa. I've not even been to the Football Hall Plat- of Fame. <laughs> That's like a far. $4,000. Yeah, you know, it's $5,000. $5,000. Man, playing hardball. But it'll be fun. To the Hall of Fame you, correct. <laughs> correct. You got it. And then, That's the bonus. Yeah. We'll pay for your admission to the Hall we'll of Fame. Go hit the shops in North Canton. You know, it'll be fun. The Books strip, a million. What? Yeah. Tinseltown. <laughs> okay. you, you can't miss this. It'll be fun. So that's coming up. And uh, please please join us. Yes. Now, well, I'm, I suppose there's no way to actually sign up for it now. Oh, no, we don't have that ready yet. Just mark it on your calendar. We will soon. But, I mean, we are over a year out, so. Exactly. Okay. Just getting the hype up now. Yeah. You know, I, the I hype fe- game going. I'm feeling it. Good. I am feeling it for sure. Mean Gene Matsky is on it. I know. I have to reel it in. I'm <laughs> going to. Yeah, never mind. So, uh, let's. it's time for, um, it's banter time mm. is what it's time for. <laughs> No, that was that was our hard cut ad, <laughs> putting our best foot forward. I think we should do a Monstropolis special where one of you guys edits me just talking for like three hours. There's an, an episode hidden within the three hours of footage. Right, assemble it, put yeah. it together. Oh, before we get to our actual episode, though, important news. Yes, apparel, merchandise new stuff in the store not only well we already had monstropolis stuff in the store but now mm-hmm. there's sass what there is stmbn stuff what yeah 
there's new just small town monsters merch in general. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of new items, water bottles, hats, shirts, um, and some that are specifically like tank top shirts that the ladies might like, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Get on the store, see what you can find. Because we just added a bunch of stuff literally today. I don't know when this comes out, but it would have already been out for a while by the time you guys hear it, I'm sure. Yeah, there hasn't been Sasswet gear <laughs> since the original Sasswet t-shirts. <clears throat> yeah. And you could o- those were only in lime green, if I'm... Lime green? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yep. Why? Why lime green? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I That they appeared one day. <laughs> And I took one, and that was right. the end of the story. Interesting. Yeah. So that's yeah. cool. Um, yeah. yeah, there's like a three-quarter baseball shirt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's hoodies. It's just super cool. Yeah. So check it out. Yeah. But anyway, so on to the show. Yeah. What are we talking about today, Mark? Well, we are talking today. I think in the message that you sent me, it was uh, literature. Cryptid literature. Cryptid literature, yes. So that was like a slam dunk. That was an easy yes. Yes, as Andy said, my dad could do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was funny. I don't know. The way that it was phrased, it made me think, like, what are, I guess this is where my thoughts went, is what are some of, like, the hallmark touchstones in different, in the areas of different cryptid types you know, where should a person start if they were just getting into the subject? Like, what would their primary source be? And if they like this kind of story, what direction should they go in next? So mm-hmm. that's sort of what started to unspool <laughs> in my head as uh, we were getting ready for the show. Um, so, yeah, I, I ended up just taking pictures of our shelves <laughs> to remind me of certain books. Um, so we're going to do that. The one thing that I wanted to say just before we get into that topic mm-hmm. is I know that you and I have both been on other shows recently as guests. Mm-hmm. Just yes. wanted to give them a quick shout out and a thanks. Um, who have you been on? <clears throat> the most recent podcast that I've been a part of was the uh, Campfire podcast, Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. So that was a lot of fun. Um I've been on other podcasts as well, but that's the most recent one. And yeah. What'd you guys talk about? Research. It was amazing. Really? Yeah. We talked about research for the most part, um, how to go about it, um, the importance of it, things like that. So I was pretty thrilled. We also had a brief conversation of Appalachia versus Appalachia. Oh. Which, you know, just listen to the episode. You'll see my opinion on it. Okay. Yeah. What Sweet. about you? Well, I was just on Where's My Sage? with Christy and Mike. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. We yeah. went for almost solid two hours. Nice. Yeah. And just talked about a, a huge swath of things, but um, spiritual journey, mm-hmm. um, sort of one of the classic questions that's put to me often is how do you reconcile being a pastor by day and having these interests at the same time? Right. Which, and they were really great about giving me the space to answer that question because yeah. it really it takes a while yeah. to get everything said on that subject. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was good. It was just a super positive experience. You know what would be really cool is if you put that into book format at some point. Yep. You know, that's crossed my mind. Mm. 
and I, uh, yeah, I, I've given that, there. given that a little bit of, of thought yeah. for sure. Hmm. Cool. So, but you had a good experience on the podcast I did. then. I did. Good. Um, Andy popped in <gasps> once or twice Andy. just to say hello. Oh, just in the, in the chat. chat. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And the cool thing, too, is renewing just, like, actual contact <laughs> with Mike Ann. Yeah, Mike's and, nice. Yeah, and saying, him saying, anytime you guys want to come to Western New York, and yeah. he's got spots. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I know, let's do it. <laughs> and he's, you know, there's certain people who say that, and you know they mean it, mm-hmm. and I, Mike means it, so... I think we have to take advantage of that. Shout out to Mike. Yeah. Yep. So books. Yeah. Let's let's talk cryptid lit. Yeah. Step one: don't cut your books in half. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's an abomination. What's wrong with people? <laughs> I mean that that was a joke, right? I don't know. Well, I don't know because I showed it to Courtney and she said she's heard of people who've done that when they're on the subway or something to make things more accessible as they're traveling. <laughs> anyway, don't cut any of your books in half, okay? Um, but yeah, cryptid literature, which I guess I would like to preface this with anything that literature-wise that I'm looking into for research, the first thing I do is go to, well, okay, so something maybe like Ruth Ann Music, depending on what the topic is, if it's spook lights or something like that, and go right to the bibliography. Mm. You can even do that with something like um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. They were actually very, he was very good at that. And go to the bibliography, and that's where I start hunting down things. But, Mm -hmm. of course, you see names that are referenced often. So, like, it's kind of a no-brainer if you want to look into Dogman. Linda Godfrey is the name that you will find. There are certain ones that are just going to always pop to the Mm -hmm. surface. Scientific Approach to Bigfoot, Jeffrey Meldrum. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's just names that we're going to hear over and over again, and those I think are kind of the hallmarks that um, that you would sh- send anybody to. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, for sure. For somebody who might not know, a lot of those names are probably familiar. But Ruth Ann Music, could you just say a little bit about her? Because she's a folklorist from West Virginia. Yeah, um, she did a lot of amazing work. There are, I think, I have three of her books. The Telltale Lilac Bush, that's the black one, the coffin. Um, and then there's the one about tales from West Virginia in general, which mm-hmm. talks about the European influence on the folk tales of West Virginia. Um, but it, she went around and met with people, talked with them, and recorded all of these folk tales from Native people in the region who maybe, I mean, we would have possibly lost their versions had she not written them down. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. She, she wrote it down. And if you look in the back, she'll explain who gave her the story, Mm. which is, I think, invaluable as Mm -hmm. well. Who gave her the story, what year, and then any type of, um, variation that she had found in the story. Those are all in the back of her books. But yeah, she's a West Virginia folklorist who has been amazing Mm -hmm. as far as preserving things. I think the school where she taught, like the library is named after her now? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a huge influence. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to put the little spotlight on Ruth Ann. Yeah. Because she deserves it. Absolutely does. The thing that is fascinating to me too, like in the, in the back of the books, mm-hmm. uh, along with the bibliography, is the classification system oh, yes. of the different stories. This, 
uh, Stith Thompson, I think is what mm-hmm. it's called. Stith Thompson uh, Folklore Index. Yeah. The Motif Index. Yeah. Yes. And that's been helpful for a lot of stuff that I've done too as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like her era is analogous probably to like John Green and Bigfoot in the sense that there is no internet. Right. There is no easy way to classify these. This was like um, typewriters and file cabinets and taking time to mm-hmm. manually, you know, correlate all those stories together and right. then publish them, which yeah. you know, is a lost era. It's not going to come back, I don't think, but it's, there is a romantic element to it in the sense that um, that time has come and gone, but we're still drawing on it. Yes. With all the databases that are out there and so forth, we still go back to those sources because they're so detailed and so rich. And when it's the been the first, I think there's something special about that. Absolutely. So where should we start? What cryptid should we start with to get into the lit? Obviously, Bigfoot is the big one. You should start on the big guy first. You should. <laughs> I mean, naturally. He's got the most fans, it seems. So it would make sense to start with him. So what Bigfoot books do you have in your library? Well, you know, (laughs) a few, a few. (laughs) A whole shelf. Like, for example, here's some. Here's some. Oh, that's right. That's what you'd see. Yeah. You've seen in the background. So you have to kind of begin, I think, when you talk about Bigfoot lit with the aforementioned John Green. Um, For the reasons that we've discussed already, in a way, that this is um, pre-easy communication. I mean, a lot of his reports were mailed to him through the mail. um, And that's sort of, that's the second wave. The first wave is, he and Renee DeHinden going out and collecting these reports themselves and documenting the experience and then putting that that document in a file right. and saving it for later. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, John Green, you know, lived long enough to see the day of the home computer and be able to create a database himself in that way. But before that happened, he was publishing books. That were a result of his correspondence with people who found out that he was interested in the Bigfoot subject. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think, I mean, the place of all places to start with Bigfoot lit is John Green's Sasquatch, the Apes Among Us. Because what you have there is a very orderly, state by state, region by region um, compendium of classic cases. And the thing about Green is that. In many of those classic cases, like William Rowe, his close-up sighting, Albert Osman, um, and many of the other, like Jerry Cruz and so forth, he's not cutting and pasting that from another source. He was there, or Rene DeHinden was there, or they missed each other in, in passing, getting the, the true on the you know, boots-on-the-ground story, and that's what makes it such a valuable Resource and in addition to that, then it's I think eye opening to read through the that book from time to time just to see the fact that he's talking about exchanging letters with Lauren Coleman, sort of young up and coming cryptozoologist yeah. from Illinois who's mm-hmm. been sending me these reports, mm-hmm. 
And of course, Ivan T. Sanderson was a contemporary, and they began exchanging letters. And just that whole era is, is really amazing. And, and again, irretrievably gone. Yeah. But at the same time, there, he, you know, with Green's journalism background, I mean, he would go to people like Osman, for example, and would have a sworn affidavit taken out as part of the recording of the story. Right. Which, of course, doesn't, is not proof that it was true, but it's proof that the person was willing to uh, be brought, you know, to legally state that what they are saying happened is what yeah. actually happened. So you have that in many of the cases of apes among us. Mm-hmm. So I think that is just, uh, if you're going to go anywhere, not having any experience in Bigfoot lit, that's where you are to go. But I think it's like a lot of classic books. A lot of people say that that's their favorite book, but how much of it have they actually read is an open question, I think. I'm just asking. It's just more of a rhetorical question. Yeah. But the, I guess the other part of that too is, and the reason I say that is because <laughs> sometimes people talk about cases as if they've discovered this. Right. Like, I, I, you'll never f- believe what I found, like this old story. Mm-hmm. It just is in Apes Among Us. Yeah. That's where, that's where it's from. Yeah. Um, but the other part to, to John Green that is such a plus is the fact that the guy can write. Mm. And I mean, you know, really write with skill and style and... I, the thing that always, I always go back to this when thinking about that book is he devotes an entire chapter to writing about Ivan Marks. And the jury has always been out on Ivan Marks. Like most people will just openly say the guy, you know, hoaxed all sorts of Bigfoot films that he made. And Green touches on that, but he's more interested in that chapter of just uncovering the uh, character of the man, Ivan Marks. Like, why, what would move a guy to be like this wilderness guide and at the same time get into this Bigfoot pursuit and what would drive someone to create these films right. and, and you know, beyond profit, which there never has been a huge amount of profit in this, especially not in the 19, late 50s, early 60s. Right. But uh, anyway, the way that he writes about Ivan Marks is just good writing, and I guess as you and I talk about Bigfoot Lit, that's one of the things that I'm going to keep bringing up yeah. is that it really helps if it's readable. Yes. You know, it really helps if it's put together by someone who's skilled at writing and rhetoric and mm-hmm. has a sense of humor, too. Right. And it's been looked over and edited, things like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think also it's important to look at researchers from that time, like you said, before internet was a thing, that for them to get these stories, I think speaks volumes about them as a person because they would have had to, one, have a reputation mm-hmm. already built up or know someone personally to get them to feel safe enough to come forward for these stories. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I mean, that I think it's a little easier. Well, it's a lot easier now, actually. If I were to contact somebody and say, you want to know who I am watch the Lord you know or you know whatever mm-hmm. right 
back then I wouldn't have been able to do that. I could have just contacted them and say, Hey, I'm yeah. And then you'd have to spend extra time getting to know them to earn their trust. So the fact that we have these hallmark pieces is invaluable. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the work that they put in is something that we can't fully understand. I don't think. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the thing in Green's case that often goes unsaid is that the point person for him, at least in the early days, was Renee DeHinden, mm -hmm. as far as somebody to talk to. Right. I mean, John Green, by all accounts, was easy to talk to as well and very laid back. Um, but he wasn't as aggressive in going after reports as DeHinden was. Mm -hmm. And the two of them worked hand in hand for quite some time, you know, sort of. DeHinden goes, gets the story, brings it back. Green puts it into a form mm -hmm. that's digestible, readable, right. and then documents it and puts it in the collection. Mm -hmm. So they were a really great team in that regard for a time. And then, you know, like like many other things, the personalities clashed over different different outcomes and goals. But that that's I think that helps explain how Green became well known. And then at that time too. There was kind of an art to letter writing that's lost almost yeah. completely. Uh, and Green was good at that. He's a natural at it, spent a lot of time doing it. Yeah. So so what would be a Bigfoot book that you would put into that like pantheon oh of Bigfoot literature that people should really need to deal with? I mean, they... <clears throat> I'd already said before Jeffrey Meldrum. Yeah. But I think that that's important now more than ever in the idea that some there's this whole conflict of science versus just believers or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's important to have someone who is an anthropologist that can show the possibilities. Um, so I think that's important. I would recommend anything that Jeffrey Meldrum's put out, whether it's a book or pamphlets or whatever, um, just to have that argument that is not just sightings, but also based in science or social sciences. Um, but that's just, that's from an academic standpoint, mm -hmm. trying to balance things out. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be probably the one that I would reference for most people, yeah. just to get the kind of the foothold and also understand some of the lingo that people use. Mm -hmm. Like, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with some of this stuff, uh, you can run into Bigfoot researchers and they'll talk about like mid-tarsal breaks or whatever. And all of that can be broken down if you follow Jeffrey Meldrum as well. I mean, I guess you could ask the person who said it, but, you know, if you want to look like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Um, you could read up on it ahead of time, but, sure. yeah. I like having the scientific approach as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it helps a reader understand that if you really do want to make this a scientific pursuit, mm -hmm. there's disciplines involved in yeah. it. It's not just the weekend squatching, right. and maybe we'll find something, <laughs> maybe we won't. If, the, if this is something... That, you know, a lot of people involved in the pursuit say we want it to be a scientific study. Mm -hmm. Well, if that's true, then you should really deal with Meldrum's book and see what's involved with that. Yeah. Because it may not be what you think. Right. It goes far beyond casting a track, measuring it, mm -hmm. and calling it good. I mean, there's a whole whole process involved in, in validating any evidence that comes in and Mel, what Meldrum's... And, been able to do somehow is maintain that using scientific discipline and the resources available to a professor right. without losing his position at yes. his school. 
Yeah. Which is a balancing act that is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's important too. Um, And people cite him a lot for that. Um, The fact that he's still still employed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And is still a respected name because of the work that he's done, Um, which I think just speaks to the importance of research in general and then backing up your thoughts, um, which is why we're having this conversation yeah. anyway. You, so you can read this literature and back up your arguments instead mm-hmm. of it just being secondhand stories or personal opinions or whatever. Um, have things to back up your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go to Green for the stories because mm-hmm. they're great. Yes. Go to Meldrum for the actual nuts and bolts of the science behind this. And if you really do find something... What do you do with that piece of evidence and where do you take it or, and that's all, that's pretty much spelled out in this book, which is to say it's not easy at all. Yeah. You have to run a whole gauntlet and that's by design. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's academia and that's exactly this is peer reviewed. That's mm -hmm. how you get anything published in academia is the peer reviewed stuff. Um, So yeah, this Sasquatch uh, legend science is the big thing, but yeah. Yeah, peer-reviewed study, um, it's important whenever you're wanting to actually, like, prove something. Yeah. Yep. Because I could see, like, I don't know, like a 8, 9, 10-year-old me yeah. picking up that book, Legend Meets Science, and kind of running into a, a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of stuff here I don't understand and right. find, quote-unquote, boring and would have mm-hmm. moved on to some other source because it was more entertaining. Right. But that's, that's again, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fine. It's just that whenever you want to get like deeper in it, like you're saying a younger you, as you get older and you want to be more serious about stuff, then you kind of have to in- mm-hmm. incorporate these other elements. Yep. Whether it's boring or not. Yeah. And as a trailblazer to Meldrum, you know, you, we would, I think, be wise to mention Grover Krantz, mm-hmm. who wrote a couple books, I believe, on the subject. And I, his writing is super academic where I think Meldrum's able to bridge the gap between... That is important. Like, <laughs> yeah, like in, in, in both giving the information but making it entertaining at yeah. the same time. He's very skilled at that. Yes. Whereas Krantz, I think, was eccentric enough that he was just doing his thing mm-hmm. and almost daring his administration to kick him out. <laughs> that's, the, that's sort of the yeah. feeling I get from him. Yeah. Um, and just sort of giving his hypotheses in his writing mm-hmm. and sort of letting the reader decide, which was an early way of compiling a Bigfoot book, quite right. honestly. There wasn't a whole lot of editing necessarily be taking place, at right. least from somebody of uh, uh, Krantz's stature there. Mm-hmm. And to talk about uh, Meldrum being kind of the, the gap there, like that... <clears throat> the part that makes it a little more uh, palatable to other people who aren't strictly in academia. I think that that speaks a lot to, I haven't had him as a professor, obviously, but I think that that speaks a lot to him as an educator and an instructor, because if you can make things more Mm bite-sized and like I said, more palatable, then one, you're already making it better for your students. They're going Mm -hmm. to perform much better, especially if you can show your passion for things. Yeah. Um, but two, then a wider audience, when you put that in book form, I think you're just inviting more people to hear you, to understand you, um, and then just in general, come into the field, which mm-hmm. I think benefits all of us in the long run. Yeah. 
So shout out to Dr. Milgram. For sure. Yeah, I'm hopeful that there will be something coming out from him new. Yeah. Like I would be, I would like just to see, because he, he's amassed such a track collection at this point, if there mm-hmm. was some way of comparing, contrasting the data that's there. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd buy that book. <laughs> I'd read that. There you go. So let's do some quick hits on other Bigfoot books before we leave Bigfoot. Other Are Bigfoot we... books. To be honest. Like 15. 15 minutes? Oh, okay. Kind of budget That's it out. The most. Okay. That's the most. Okay. All right. Sure. Okay. Well, sure. Then I would say as far as like historical reports pulled out of the deep, dark past, yeah. another good resource is Chad Arment's The Historical Bigfoot. It's one that we've leaned on a lot in terms of the the Sasquatch episodes in the past because it takes you back to that era of largely newspaper reports that are talking about you know a, a, a small scope of figures, everything from wild men to, you know, feral humans and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while... The veracity of those can be debated, and certainly you have to take those with a grain of salt. The sheer number of them suggests something was going on on those, you know, areas where people were pushing into what had been largely unsettled territory. And uh, just it's well, you know, it's just well put together um, by state, so it's easy to access, and it doesn't pretend to the final word on any old source but mm-hmm. it's sort of a almost like a pre-newspapers.com collection of yeah. old stories yeah the idea of newspaper clippings in general being compiled into book format reminds me of adam benedict's stuff oh yeah he's got like the oddities in print monsters in print um <clears throat> that i've bought as soon as they come out mm-hmm. by the way um because i love surfing newspapers.com and here he already has them in a book yeah um but i like i like that idea i was wondering as we were talking about this and we're talking about some of the authors that i mean jeffrey meldrum of course is current but like in the field that right now who do you see as becoming one of the names Hmm. that uh people should will eventually follow like we'll be looking back on at some point and be like that's one of the pioneers of that genre oh wow i think just in the bigfoot realm any cryptid realm but Hmm. if bigfoot is the one that's the most prevalent that's fine oh my well i think uh, that's quite an assignment there (laughs) hey man i'm trying (laughs) linda godfrey i think is obvious for dog man stuff yeah but aside from linda who else aside from linda i think um I mean, do we have to mention Lauren Coleman? I don't think that's really no. I think it's necessary. Worth Lauren Coleman. But yeah, I mean, he's really with his work. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna say I'm not gonna read any cryptozoology <laughs> or Fortiana book except one, yeah. Then in that case, I would hand that person a copy of Mysterious America, mm-hmm. and say this is the book you need to read, yeah, um, because he he takes you through. Not just a bunch of cool stories, but he gives some speculation as to what is going on, or, or at least say, 
that embedded in our nation and like these maps behind us would show that there are place names that indicate weird things have been happening here as long as people have named things. Right. And so chances are that correlates to reality somehow. And he's the first place where I heard that, you know, as I sat down with that book in the late mid late 1980s. Yeah. With a can of pop and some pretzels, started reading <laughs> Lauren Coleman. That yeah. was just on a whole different level of trying to synthesize this information. And I really, I just obviously am very fond of his writing and his work. Again, because he's a skillful writer. He knows what he wants to do. And um, the, sort of the third piece to that is he did a lot of those investigations in Mysterious America himself. Right. So, you know, Dover Demon, that was his story. He went there and talked He's to the, the one principal. Who coined the name, yes. Right? Yeah. He coined the name. He researched yeah. it is. He researched yeah. the case personally. Mm -hmm. The world would not know about the quote unquote Dover Demon if it were not for Lauren Coleman. Yeah. And um that's true in a couple other things that are reported in the book as well. I mean, he has personal photographs of weird um, sort of primate tracks that he found in southern Illinois. Mm -hmm. By all rights, shouldn't be there, but they are. <laughs> uh, he, he saw them. And it's just, you know, it's that blend, I think, of the intellectual, the fantastic element of just the, the, the wonder of these stories, and then the personal element that not only am I telling you these things happened, but I went and looked myself to see what was going on, and here's what I found. Those are like three of the non-negotiable elements of what makes great cryptid lit. Right. And then by that same criteria, you can I can see why Linda Godfrey mm -hmm. belongs in that same group yeah. because she's done the exact same thing. Right. Um, maybe at first on a smaller scale, than a Lauren Coleman by concentrating on her own locality. But the fact that she was willing to put it out there mm -hmm. made her, you know, the, the clearinghouse yeah. for dogman reports. An invaluable resource. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I, and there's other like little re more regional writers who are like that. Yes. That I think would fit into that category. Would Stan Gordon fit into that category? Yeah, I believe so. Stan would definitely fit in. Um, J uh, let's see. J. Robert Alley, who compiles yep. the Alaska stories. Lane Coast Sasquatch. Yeah. I think maybe simply because of his proximity of being up there yeah. evades a lot of attention that others here in the the lower states. The uh, lower 48. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... His his books are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, one important book too is Bindernagel, John Bindernagel's discovery of the Sasquatch, where he gets that's a very nuts and bolts scientific book as well, mm -hmm. but it shows you the the reasoning that he used in his position as a biologist to come to the conclusions that he did, which is there's ample evidence for an undiscovered primate especially in the Pacific Northwest, but, um, you know, he definitely fits into that category as well. 
So we kind of only talked about Bigfoot on this episode, which is okay. But I was thinking as we were going through this and talking about more modern um, authors, that at some point we should probably have an episode where we talk about not only books, but like online literature, Mm -hmm. websites that are important, databases, things like that for researchers. Because some of that, I mean, some of the databases alone, Mm -hmm. whether it's Sasquatch sightings or stories or just, I mean, like, you have the Singular Fortean website where they're just accumulating oh, right. stories in general, how important that is for researchers in general. Mm-hmm. So maybe a future episode. That's, that sounds good. Yeah. So I, I'm sure we'll keep talking books <laughs> into the Always. near future. Yep. Uh, if you have any books that you would like to drop in the comments, we would be happy to both go after them if we haven't heard of them and uh, see what they have to say. Uh, we'd welcome that kind of conversation, I think, because mm-hmm. you know, there's always a space on a bookshelf <laughs> for another book. Or space for another bookshelf. Yeah, <laughs> there <So>. you go. <laughs> Absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put it in the comments. You can also write us at uh, monsteropolismail at gmail.com. We would gladly take a letter about cryptid lit or anything else that you wanted to chime in on Uh, we do have a letter or two i think that we're gonna hit at some point Uh, but anyway we'd we'd look forward to that also find us on the socials we are out there socialing away and uh, doing our thing so thanks for joining us today uh any final thoughts no if you don't want to email us you could write a letter in the comments on youtube that will count if it's long enough, it'll, it's long enough, it'll make an episode. It will, yes. We'll grab our attention for sure. <laughs> All right, get your library cards. Go, go find those books. Mm-hmm. Have fun. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>